few topics are as neglected today as vocation. As we follow in the footsteps of Elsa today, I want to impress upon you that your vocation is not only the greatest、uh, adventure of your life, but also the unique way God has planned to make you into a saint. You're listening to the Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. Hey friends, welcome to today's episode of the Myth Pilgrim. Oh, hello. <laughs> Today is our first tiptoe into the beautiful world of Disney's Frozen. Let me say that there is a lot going for both Frozen One and Two, as demonstrated by their monumental popularity for young and old alike. When the first Frozen came out in 2013, even I felt it breathe kind of fresh life and fresh vitality and magic back into Disney, and signalled a return to the more classical style of fairy tale with a solid storyline, gorgeous songs, memorable characters, and very strong Christian archetypes. Some have even heralded Frozen as the Lion King of this generation. To which I'm like, yeah. Yes, yes, I can see why you'd say that. But Lion King is like incomparable. But still, I have great love and respect for both Frozen's released to date. Little do people know that Frozen is actually based off Hans Christian Andersen's、uh, original fairy tale called The Snow Queen, which did have explicit Christian themes such as God and the Devil and and the Lord's Prayer, etc. While Disney veiled most of this in Frozen, its central message of the salvific power of love remained. Which is of course great. There's actually many themes we could explore through Frozen, but today I will focus on Elsa's journey of finding and following her vocation. In doing so, I hope to open up the question of vocation in the Christian life: What is it? Why does God call us? And what are the signs I've found my vocation? Because Elsa's journey actually spans across both Frozen films, we'll sort of be hitting both films chronologically. So, massive spoiler alert if you haven't seen one and two. And because I guess most of you are fairly familiar with the story, I will only do the most basic of summaries、uh, in terms of the storyline. So let's start with the storyline of Frozen One. Princess Elsa of the Kingdom of Arendelle is mysteriously born with magical powers that can enchant and conjure water and ice. As children, she delights her little sister Anna with these powers. But after accidentally hurting her with the same magic, she is told to conceal her magic so as to prevent anyone else from getting hurt. Elsa does this and grows up into a queen, believing that her magical abilities were a curse and should be hidden away from the world. And the rest of Frozen One is pretty much the story of how a series of events leads Elsa to come to celebrate and love her own powers and to recognize them as a force for good. She meets many characters along the way that help her with this journey, but ultimately, it is Anna, her sister, who becomes her greatest teacher. Through Anna's heroic displays of love, Elsa discovers that love is the greater magic or power in the kingdom, and that when her powers were tempered with love, they could, in fact, be a blessing for the entire kingdom. See, super quick summary. Hopefully, enough to begin our exploration. 
It might be helpful at this point to first define what I will mean by vocation this episode, because it's a word that often gets thrown around Catholic Christian circles, but with little context. The word vocation actually comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. As a start, it is important to remember that every baptized person already has a vocation, even before we respond to a more personal vocation from the Lord. The primary vocation we all have is holiness. It is what the church calls the universal vocation or the universal call to holiness. This means that your primary calling is to be a saint and nothing less. How do you feel when you hear this? Pope Francis reminds us that to be saints is not a privilege for a few, but a vocation for everyone. This is very, very important, for it is flowing from this universal vocation that the more specific personal vocation emerges, one where our unique gifts and personality and history are taken into consideration. To try and live out our vocation backwards by discerning one's personal vocation without first living the universal vocation can lead to all sorts of misunderstandings about God, our talents, and fill us with a toxic sort of pride. This unfortunate backward approach to vocation will now be illustrated by exploring our first Elsa scene. So, on the day of her coronation as Queen of Arendelle, Elsa accidentally unleashes her magic again after being provoked. Though no one is hurt this time, the public are scandalised and horrified. Elsa, fearing her powers are becoming out of control, decides to flee her own kingdom, and she does. When she is finally alone in the snowy peaks, she feels suddenly free for the first time to let her powers flow without anyone else to consider. And yes, this is where that now infamously beautiful earworm, Let It Go, gets belted out. Let it go, let it go. As you'd probably remember, this is the first time Elsa is able to finally let go of the fear of using the gifts she was born with, and to do so in a safe way. Her newfound freedom is symbolised by her iconic dress change, letting her hair down, and the creation of a magnificent ice palace for herself. In postmodern terms, she is finally free to express her true self, to be authentic, to celebrate being born this way, and all of that. She then slams the palace door shut. Now, at this point, I must apologise if I'm about to break a few hearts a little, because I'm going to suggest that while the song Let It Go has some positive elements to it, it is actually quite a sad song. This is because it actually traps Queen Elsa in an unhealthy relationship with her gifts and locks her into an inverted understanding of her vocation. But before you all write in and complain that I've trashed your childhood, let's first look at those positive dimensions of the song first. If Elsa's magical abilities could be likened to the unique gifts and talents God gives us, then it should be celebrated when she finally has an avenue to use them. For it would be tragic if fear prevented us from using our spiritual gifts or charisms that God has given us. And, in fact, remember that every Christian does in fact possess real superhuman powers like Elsa. Through the Holy Spirit, which we received at baptism, Jesus promised that we'd actually have his power to heal, to prophesy, to cast out demons, to bind up, to speak in tongues, to receive visions and to restore. If, out of fear of these charismatic gifts, we or the communities around us tell us to Conceal, don't fear, don't let them know 
This would be a great tragedy, for a life not animated by the Holy Spirit is simply not Christian, period. But Scripture tells us instead that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we should feel the same freedom Elsa feels when she is free to use her gifts, whether they are natural or supernatural in origin. Okay, so that's some of the positive elements of Let It Go. The negative elements of the song, though, can be linked to that earlier idea that one's personal vocation must necessarily flow from one's universal vocation. While the explicit concept of God is absent in Frozen, even the other characters recognize that something isn't quite right about Let It Go, something we can easily forget when we listen to the song in isolation. (laughs) During the course of the song, Elsa appears to be living out her personal vocation, you know, being who she is and being free to express her uniqueness. But she does this at the expense of her more foundational vocation, her responsibility as the Queen of Arendelle. But her vocation as queen is her primary one, for it was always hers by natural birthright. And as the story progresses, we discover that it is only when her queenship gets embraced again that Elsa's magical powers actually starts to become a blessing. Further, a nice little capstone to this idea is the theme in Frozen 1, that love is the greatest vocation of all. It is love, especially the sacrificial, agape love of Anna at the end, that is the spell that breaks the forever winter curse and sets everyone free, including Elsa. This primacy of love as the greatest gift of all is of course echoed in St. Paul's famous Corinthians 13, which says, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Etc. Etc. By the end of the movie, even Elsa is floored by her sister's display of love, which eventually conquers even her own magic in the end. Indeed, love is the highest calling of all, the universal vocation of all. For to become love, to genuinely will the good of the other, is what it means to become a saint. Okay, having established something of the two orders of vocation, we now move on to Frozen 2. Here I will focus on what practical wisdom Elsa can offer us about responding to our personal vocation. For if Frozen 2 isn't about responding to a call, then I am a snowman. Samantha? But first again, here's a super quick story summary. So Elsa begins the story as the restored and rightful Queen of Arendelle. As far as we can tell, she is happy enough in her role, though something deep inside her is feeling unsettled. Then she starts hearing a mysterious voice call her, and it won't leave her alone. It is haunting, it is beautiful, it is irresistible. Against the advice of the others, she sets out to follow the voice, and through a series of encounters with elemental spirits, it leads her into the cursed woods. There she discovers the Natholdra people, a tribe who had in fact harnessed elemental magic like her. There had been a sad history between the Natholdra and her own Arendelle people. And as a child, her mother had sung a lullaby which promised that a certain river held all the answers about this mysterious past. Further, Elsa then discovers that in fact her own mother was a Natholdra, which explains where she got her own magical abilities from. Using this newfound knowledge, she follows a voice deeper and deeper into the wilderness, where at last at the glacier of Atahalan, 
she realizes that the mysterious voice was her mother's all along. There, all the unresolved questions about her life come together, and she is beautifully reborn in the wilderness as the Queen of Nathaldra. Immediately, she uses her new powers for the love of both kingdoms, Arendelle and Nathaldra, and through her magic, prevents the impeding destruction of Arendelle. The movie happily finishes with Elsa officially established as the Queen of Nathaldra and Anna as the new Queen of Arendelle. You know, for most of us, when we first hear God's call, it can be quite scary, and I really want to acknowledge this as quite normal. St. Augustine, St. Edith Stein, and Mother Teresa were all also worried too at the start. There is always a cost in following Jesus, he made that clear himself, and one of the first obstacles many never get past is the fear of the unknown. By unknown, I mean anything from a new place or new circumstances to a new place within yourself or a new discovery about yourself. Because fear is such a natural response to the unknown, one of the first virtues God will invite us into is trust. Certainly, Abraham in the Old Testament needed to be taught to trust God first before God called him to step out into the unknown and into his vocation. I really feel Elsa's first song, Into the Unknown, is wonderful on this account because through it, you see Elsa's transformation from fear to trust, from anxiety to excitement. I totally relate to the song's journey because many times in my life I've been on the same ride. This was certainly true of the time when, having comfortably established myself as a working adult with a dream graphic design job, the stirring towards religious life began. Like Elsa, I initially tried to suffocate the cold with a pillow, just joking, <laughs> by throwing myself into all sorts of worthy ministries in my parish, you know, and even getting involved with a year long documentary project on the side. But, like that voice, the cold persisted. And this is why I love at a certain point in the song of Into the Unknown, the very magic flowing out of Elsa's hands actually begins to lead her away from the castle and into the unknown. As if her very gifts were saying to her, We were never yours to own. Let us lead you someplace greater, to become someone greater, to know the very source of your own powers. I think it's important to add here that one's personal vocation is much bigger than the three traditional states of life Catholics refer to, you know, single life, married life, and consecrated life. While these categories are, of course, valid, I prefer today that personal vocation be defined as the unique way we participate in the life of Jesus, or even the unique way we participate in the mission of Jesus. Vocation is not a once off decision we make in our 20s, but something that constantly unfolds across our lifetime. See, our personal vocation is a personalized vocation, personalized by God Himself. He loves us dearly and knows how to make each of us flourish. And to do this, He factors in everything from giftings and talents, yes, but also our personal history, our temperament, and even our past wounds. As history's greatest storyteller, he knows which part of the story is written for you, and no one else can fill that role. He doesn't need you to be an epic anything, but simply to be faithful to the glory he equally offers all. Some vocations will shine through a person's strengths, while others through their weaknesses, while others still through their careers, and others again through a hidden life. Whatever it is, our personal vocation is our unique path to holiness, 
our unique path to sainthood. And if you're wondering at this point, but how do I recognize my path? How do I hear God's call in my life? A good question, for it opens up the question of discernment. Now, this is far too big a topic for this one episode. However, for today, I will offer you this. The song Into the Unknown takes place in the quiet of night, when Elsa is not distracted by any other noises or voices. It is then that she hears the voice most clearly and has the space to pursue it. In the same way, you will notice God's calling most when you are quiet and devoid of distractions. Trust that by creating such a space at any stage in your life, the Spirit will prompt you. Like how the very magic flowing out of Elsa's hands leads her to her vocation, God will inspire all the deepest desires within you to do the same. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always open to your feedback and ideas too, so always feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page or through the website at themythpilgrim.com. Okay, so we've discussed now the different levels of vocation, the universal and the personal, and we've also looked at the experience of following the Lord's call. And now we've hopefully arrived at the highlight and culmination of this episode. What does it look like to find and enter one's vocation? The answer is illuminated in my favourite Frozen song, Show Yourself. This is the final song that Elsa sings when she arrives at Atahalan, the frozen glacier. The mysterious voice intensifies and she follows it inside. Taking her rightful place as the fifth elemental spirit, she then meets the spirit of her mother and is transformed then and there into the Queen of Nathaldra. I can't describe how much I adore this song, not only artistically, but in terms of how much spiritual truth and symbolism it contains. I almost don't want to do too much breaking open of it here, so I'll try and give it a lighter treatment and allow you to enter into the song yourself. So, what's it like to find one's vocation? Well, for Elsa, is the experience of everything coming together. Questions about the mysterious voice, her family's origins, her own origins, her powers, why she feels dissatisfied, the four elemental spirits, her memories, questions about her future, these all converge into a glorious harmony. Even the ice of the glacier resonates with her, the ice princess, finally coming home. In the song, I love it how Elsa's own voice harmonises with the siren's voice, which then harmonises with mum's voice. All becomes one. So it goes with stepping into God's vocation for us. He is the master conductor, and when we faithfully play the part he gives us to play, our souls will truly sing. I also love how even the painful memories of Elsa's past makes sense at this point and becomes part of her rebirth as the Queen of Nathaldra. Almost immediately, she will learn about the betrayal of her family's history and the rift between the two kingdoms, and her reconciling mission would soon begin. For indeed, our vocation is not only the means by which we will most flourish, but also the means we most participate in the salvific mission of Jesus. By being faithful to God's call, not only will we save our own souls, we'll almost certainly bring a whole swag along with us as well. Okay, just one last thing I'll highlight about the song. At the point where Elsa meets her mother, she herself becomes literally transformed into something new. 
This is represented by her getting another beautiful dress change and her absorbing the power of all four of the elemental spirits. It's simply gorgeous. Contrast this dress transformation scene with the earlier one in Let It Go. The first change was done by herself, for herself, whereas this one was done to her, for her. See, in this scene, Mother stands in the place of God, in that she was the one that called, and she was the one that bestowed her daughter's truest, realist, royalist identity. The bestowal of new identity by God is, of course, totally biblical. Abraham becomes Abraham, Jacob becomes Israel, Peter becomes the rock, and Saul becomes Paul. These name changes signify a new identity, yes, but they also signify a new mission, a new commissioning by God. Elsa's transformation is at once her commissioning as the Queen of Nathaldra, from which her old identity fades away, and her new life is about to begin. As a way of finishing our journey with Elsa, I'd really encourage you to rewatch this scene of Show Yourself, and so I'll left a link to it here in the show notes. Perhaps you're sensing the Lord call you towards your vocation, or to deepen in your current vocation. If so, my hope is that this scene can become a nice little springboard for your prayer. Okay, friends, I look forward to your company next time. For now, journey forth. Take care, and God bless.